You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and stellar TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. Note, we are not real therapists, we are not real astrologers, but we are real movie critics. <laughs> All right, Kristen, shall we get to this week's letters? You want to read the first one? Yes, let's do it. This first letter is from Violet. Violet says... Dear Rafer and Kristen, I recently found out from a third party that two people I consider friends have been upset with me for months and not told me and just talked about me behind my back. I am so hurt that they weren't honest with me that I'm having a hard time apologizing for my end of the situation. It's just all around messy and everyone had a part in the messing things up. Can you recommend a good movie or TV show for coming to terms with being imperfect or making mistakes. Mm, this is kind of a juicy letter. Yes, it is. I feel like it's one of the juicier letters that we've had uh, because it's about hurt feelings and friends and friendships and some sort of some sort of wound, uh, some sort of injury that's happened here, and then an, an injury in return. But people aren't talking about it, so there's no way to clear the air. People are too mad, too mad to apologize, too mad to get past it. This is, um, boy, this is the stuff that primetime soaps are made of. What do you think, Kristen? And episodes of Three's Company. That's right. I mean, That's right. you misheard me. I actually meant this. Mr. Furley, be quiet. Hold on. I just saw yeah. Larry at the Regal Beagle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Violet, no. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light of your situation. It actually sounds really, really tough. And I think sure. a lot of us have been there before. And I, I don't want to predict what your age is, Violet. For all I know, you're 75. Maybe you're 25. I don't know. But I've found these kinds of predicaments that you're in, Violet. I feel like I got into those a lot in my teens and 20s. Right. And a lot of it was just that my friends and I, we just weren't as good as we could have been at understanding nuance, at conflict resolution. A lot of us were so conflict adverse that we just wouldn't talk about things that we should have talked about. And 
I've definitely got better at that the older I've gotten. How about you, Rafer? Yeah, I think I have. But yeah, when it's, you know, when you're younger, and again, you know, we're making a bit of an assumption about Violet here. But uh, when you're younger, that stuff's harder. And I also think, you know, uh, I don't know, your identity gets wrapped up in things. Um, your identity gets wrapped up in your friends. Your friends are kind of your whole world. And I know that feeling, you know, when, you're, and when your world is kind of rocked that way or... or or like with you, Violet, uh, sort of taken away from you in, in a way, or sort of you know pull, pulled out from underneath you. That that can be really that can be really difficult. That can be really uh, hurtful and disorienting and really hard to come to terms with. So I don't know, Kristen. You have a you have a good prescription here. I am prescribing a movie from 2012 called Francis Ha. Oh sure. And Francis Ha stars Greta Gerwig, who also co-wrote the movie. And she stars as a 27-year-old aspiring dancer named Frances Holloway. Frances struggles to be a good friend, an independent adult, a professional in any sense of the word. And over the course of the movie, we see her make lots of mistakes. She behaves in ways she shouldn't. She shortchanges both herself and those around her. Uh, she's not as responsible as she should be. She doesn't have the conversations with people that need to be had. Here's a clip. How could you not want to date him? He's kind of magic. Because I'm with Patch. Patch is the kind of guy who buys a black leather couch and is like, I love it. What are we doing with our day? I gotta get going around five. I thought we were hanging out. We are. All day. I have plans with Patch tonight, I told you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I texted that to you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Here. We're not doing that. That's shitty. It's not court. I did text you, though. I believe you. You don't have to believe me. I did text you. I, lo I love this film. I think you and I are both big uh, Greta Gerwig fans. Uh, I, f I feel like we've recommended just about every film she's made so far on this on this podcast. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about this movie, too, is it reminds me of another film that I recommended to another listener a while back called The Edge of Seventeen. Mm -hmm. uh, um, they're both these portraits of, of young women, I think, who are just screwing things up and they are hurting people's feelings and saying the wrong thing and um, thinking only of themselves. And it's just a really relatable, this is just a really relatable movie about what that's like and, you know, what it's like to grow up and mess up and hopefully uh, get a little better at it. Yeah. And what I love about Frances Ha is I don't want to say that she's likable. I want to say that she seems very real, though, because I don't think any of us take a linear yes. path from being an adorable baby to a precocious student to a successful, lovable, professional adult with perfect friendships and perfect communication skills and ideal behavior the whole way. I don't think any of us have that linear path. Right. Most of us are more like Francis Ha. Most of us screw up a lot. Most of us make friends, accidentally screw over those friends. Those friends accidentally screw over us. We take two steps forward, five steps back, and vice versa. Yep. And Greta Gerwig does such a good job of depicting that both in her acting and in her writing. And Violet, I feel like if you watch this movie, you might see a little bit of yourself and hopefully have a little bit more empathy for yourself and see that we all mess up. We're all messy people. None of us is perfect. We all make mistakes. And that's part of what makes us better later on. And Lord knows 
how boring we would be if none of us ever screwed up. I don't want to ever be friends with the person who's never screwed up. Ugh. That's You're true. way more interesting, Violet, because you have made mistakes. And you'll get past those mistakes. And then you'll make more mistakes because that's what we all do. And that's fine. I totally agree. What about you, Rafer? Well, Kristen, I have chose something that's a little a little bit offbeat, maybe. Um, I chose a half an hour children's television special from 1973 called Dr. Seuss on the Loose. I don't know if you've seen it or if you remember that. While I've heard of Dr. Seuss on the loose, I don't think I've ever seen it. And I'm a I'm somebody who loved Dr. Seuss as a kid. Well, here's the good part about it. This is a this is a pretty easy prescription to fill. It's it's just 30 minutes long, uh, probably a little bit less actually, uh, when you take out the commercials. Um, it aired, <laughs> I think, on CBS. Uh, it's just an animated kind of uh, compendium anthology of uh, three Dr. Seuss classics from a couple of different books. They kind of squashed them together. The Cat in the Hat narrates, uh, and then there's a narrator within each story. So it's three stories. It's the story of the Sneetches, which is one of my favorites with the star with the some of them have bellies, uh, stars on their bellies and some of them. <gasps> the stars upon theirs. Exactly. Stars upon theirs. Some of them are plain bellied. Oh. So the Sneetches. I have yeah. seen this. Well, that and that's a great one. And from the same book is the Zacks, which I'll talk about in a second. And then, of course, most famous Dr. Seuss of all green eggs and ham. A couple of little things to say just to get this out of the way. The animation, it's not great. Um, it's by DePatty Freeling, the guys who did the Pink Panther cartoons and the title sequences for the Pink Panther movies. And I know DePatty Freeling won an Oscar for one of their Pink Panther shorts. But if you remember the DePatty Freeling stuff, the Ant and the Aardvark, uh, you know, that kind of stuff from uh, from the 70s. The Patty Freeling animation is terrible. It's 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 worse than the Hanna Barbera <laughs> stuff. Um, anyway, but it's a different era. This this I'm just <laughs> you know it's just it's one of these things, right? So, but the Sneetches segment is kind of decent. The it's got some super corny like 70s jazz choir music on it that makes it kind of fun. The Green Eggs and Ham segment is passable, but I want to talk about the Zacks, which is the shortest of of the three stories. I, I probably could have just recited it to you word for word in the time it's taken me to explain this to you. But it's about these two oddball, very Seussian creatures called the Zacks. One goes north, one goes south, and neither of them feel that they can take any kind of detour ever. So what happens? Obviously, they bump into each other in the middle of nowhere in a prairie, and they have an idiotic argument where they try to convince each other to move, but they both refuse. And here's a clip. There they stood, foot to foot, Face to face. Look here now, the north-going Zack said. Hey, say, you are blocking my path. You are right in my way. I'm a north-going Zax, and I always go north. Get out of my way now and let me go forth. Who's in whose way? Snapped the south-going Zax. I always go south, making south-going tracks. So you're in my way, and I ask you to move and let me go south in my south-going groove. Then the north-going Zack said with north-going pride, I never have taken a step to one side, and I'll prove to you that I won't change my ways if I have to keep standing here 59 days. And I'll prove to you, yelled the south-going Zacks, that I can stand here in the prairie of Prax for 59 years. Gosh, it reminds me of some of my family gatherings, honestly. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, of course. And we've we've all we've all been in this situation where they they won't move and of course the end result is that they stay there in that spot for the rest of their freaking lives. And so the the great thing about this is it's just a great 
funny, simple little cautionary tale that Violet, I think you would be wise to take a look at and sort of absorb the absorb the end result of this story. What ha- what happens when you will not move, when you will not budge, when you will not say to someone, all right, look, I'm going to step to one side and just resolve this. And that way we can both get on with our lives. It's a tough thing to do, but I think it's worth doing. This is why you know I'm not a real therapist because real therapists don't make actual, they don't give actual advice and make real suggestions like this. But Violet, I'm telling you, I think the thing for you to do is to go to your friends, apologize to them, and see what happens. And if you get an apology back, great. And if you don't, now you know. And then you can move on and you'll be done with this. So that's my recommendation to you. Rafer, I love that. And I do have to say that, you know, I've seen a few therapists over the years. And man, I wanted them to just tell me what to do. And I know. <laughs> you did it. Rafer, you did it for Violet. I love that you did it for her. I just, yeah. <laughs> Rafer, I need you to be my therapist. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Offline. So, offline, Kristen. All right. So once again, Rafer's recommendation is Dr. Seuss on the loose. And from me, Francis Ha. All right, everyone, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a huge thanks to everyone who's been giving us five-star reviews and Apple podcasts. For example, The Pretender, there's no final E in The Pretender, it's D-R. So mysterious. Yes. (laughs) The Pretender recently gave us five stars and wrote, As a social worker and a movie buff, this combines my passions. I have greatly enjoyed the episodes thus far and cannot wait for many more seasons of this show, which we hope to deliver. Oh, my gosh. Wow. A social worker approves of us, Rafer. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I consider that a real endorsement. Thank you so much, <laughs> Pretender. Or are you maybe not a social worker and just pretending? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to believe you're a social worker. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> All right. Well, stay with us when we're back. We have someone who's fallen off her health kick wagon and wants to get back on. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hey, Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. 
Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, I'll let you read this one. Okay, this one comes from Carol. Carol says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, in the beginning of the year, I watched Brittany Runs a Marathon, and the movie actually motivated me to get my tush off the couch and start exercising and making better choices in general in my life. Good food, uplifting friends, being more purposeful with my time. I did really well for a while, but since I went on a vacation in the beginning of August, I haven't been able to go back to my routine I think I need another boost to motivate me. Please help me. Well, Carol. That's got to be a very common problem. During the pandemic, especially, oh my gosh, I think a lot of us have gone through many moments of, I'm going to exercise. Oh, no, I'm not going to leave this couch. Right. <laughs> In cycles. I know I have. Rafer, I, I don't know about you. I, I feel like you might be healthier than I am. <laughs> Well, I will say this. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually doing quite well just because, you know, you, you, I had to get out of the house and I had to go run. And I was running not every day, but I was I was running very frequently, short runs. And recently I've had shoulder surgery. And so I can't really do much of anything. Um, and I, running, I think, would be impossible for me at this point. Um, I'm getting a little better. But right now I'm kind of on enforced no exercise break. And it's going to be as I think anyone uh, knows, it's going to be very hard to get my butt off the couch and get back to exercising once I'm given the green light to do so. That's going to be very, very difficult. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess I just want to say, Carol, I, I admire that a movie got your tush off the couch. I know a lot of us could stand to, you know, be less sedentary. As Americans, uh, you know, this is one of our issues. We tend to be a pretty sedentary uh, population. And outside the U.S., I know a lot of countries outside the U.S. also deal with, you know, being sedentary. And I think COVID's not been good for a lot of us as far as staying active. And oh yeah, I, I've definitely gone through my moments of being active and not being active uh, and then active again and not active. So <laughs> <laughs> anywho, Rafer, what, what are we going to prescribe to Carol to help her get motivated again to take care of her physical and mental health and so on? Well, I've got a movie that I've considered recommending to other people for other reasons, because it's sort of a sort of a versatile film in a way. But I'm going to recommend this one to Carol. Kristen, I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Personal Best from 1982. Mariel Hemingway. That's exactly right. Mariel Hemingway, of course. Um, and it's it's a it's a sort of an unusual movie. It's got a sort of interesting backstory only because it's directed by Robert Town. Um, and if you know Robert Town, he's considered one of the greatest living screenwriters, primarily on the strength of Chinatown. And he did a little directing, like a handful of films, and none of them had major commercial success, I would say, except for maybe Tequila Sunrise um, with uh, Mel Gibson and Michelle Pfeiffer. A, a pretty great 80s movie, which looks like a Tequila Sunrise. But uh, anyway, getting back to personal best, for his debut film, he chose... This movie, which he wrote, it's the story of these two Olympic track and field athletes, one played by Mariel Hemingway, as you said, the other played by a, a actual track and field athlete named Patrice Donnelly, um, who uh, missed her shot at the Olympics by literally one one hundredth of a second. Scott Glenn plays their coach, uh, who wants to take these two women 
to the 1980 Olympics, you know, and uh, which is, you know, every athlete's dream. Here's a clip. Oh, good. Good. What's that? It's low reps. That's what I do. I want her to taper. Fuck it. Let's go take the steam. Okay. First, just wait a minute, will you? If it's all right, record it. Games were in 10 days. It's the last international competition before the Olympics. And furthermore, only two athletes qualify for the Pan Am Games, and Tori knows it. What's that supposed to mean? Tori's just trying to help. I know, I know. But do me a favor. Don't get any more help from her till after the Pan Am's, okay? Now, Reefer, is this also a romance? It is a romance, and it is a lesbian romance. And it's written and directed by a man in 1982, which is very odd. Yeah, back then there were almost no films that acknowledged gay people at all. Yeah. Right. It it really just sort of came out of nowhere from someone that you just never would have expected it from. And it's quite good, and it's it's very erotic in parts, and it's very frank about the relationship in a way that, to me, I think, was very modern, given given the time. But that's not why I'm recommending this. I don't want to say too much about what happens, although if you know anything about the 1980 Olympics, that will give you a little bit of a clue. But the point of the movie is that when you're trying to push yourself, you you don't do it for the medals, and you don't do it even to beat the other person. You don't do it for praise or recognition. And I think, in a lot of ways, you don't even really do it for the results. You just do it for yourself to see how good you can be. Uh, Hence the title, obviously, Personal Best. You want to see what you, and only you, can do. You're only competing with yourself. And at the end of the day, that's all you really have. And this movie, I think, does a really good job of bringing that to light uh, and kind of driving that message home. And so, you know, listen, if you fall off the wagon for a little bit, it's no big deal. No one's judging you. You're just you're just doing that for yourself. You got to get back on it and do it and just see how good you can be. That's the answer, I think. And maybe fall in love with another athlete, Carol. That'll get y'all running. Exactly. That's right. Or and certainly complicate matters. Um, <laughs> and so, and so, Kristen, <laughs> what about you? What's your prescription? All right. I am recommending a movie from 2009. And if I remember correctly, I think you liked this movie, too. It is called Whip It, and it stars Ellen Page. Oh, I love Whip It. That's a great movie. Yeah. And for anyone out there who's not familiar with it, it tells the story of Bliss, who Ellen Page plays. Bliss is a misfit in a small Texas town. She has no sense of direction in her life. She doesn't have any motivation. She doesn't know what she wants to do. Her mother, who is played by Marsha Gay Harden, is always trying to get her to join the beauty queen circuit in Texas because she was part of the beauty queen circuit back in her day. But Bliss isn't interested in that. She's not interested in anything. But then one day, she encounters three roller derby members, including Smashley Simpson, played by Drew Barrymore, and her trajectory changes. She is so intrigued by these women and this sport that she decides to push herself out of her own comfort zone and try to join them. Here's a clip. Men, hold on to your cookies. It's the Hurl Scouts! Number 99, captain of the Hurl Scouts, Maggie Mayhem, number 69. 
Number three, Rosa Sparks. Number two, Smashley Simpson. Razor McGee's Hurl Scouts have come in last place three years running. This league has five teams, each with their own theme. What outlaws do we have skating against the Hurl Scouts this fine Texas evening here? Give it up for the undefeated Holy Rollers! Last season champs are led by their captain, the league's leading scorer, Iron Maven! Yeah, she's the one from the flyer. Oh, I'm feeling out these polyesters right now, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, let's play! Now, Carol, I'm recommending this movie for a few reasons. The first is that, without giving things away, I'll say that Bliss, thanks to roller derby, doesn't just end up pushing herself in sports. She ends up standing up more for herself in life in general and taking more seriously what her needs might be, what her desires might be. She thinks long and hard about what she deserves and what she wants. Second of all, I am recommending this movie because... Bliss would not be doing this sport if she didn't think it was exciting, interesting, and fun. And I wonder with you, Carol, if maybe one reason you fell off your running wagon or your health kick wagon might be that maybe you weren't doing a sport that was fun for you. Maybe you got bored with what you were doing. Maybe you need to find something that gets your heart singing a little bit more like Bliss does in Whip It. And, you know, that could be a lot of things. It may be that you join some sort of sport. For example, like one of my friends, she started playing tennis with another friend. They keep their distance from each other, but they can still get a little bit of exercise. They can still have some fun. They never breathe on each other. So, you know, maybe that's something worth thinking about, Carol, like, Try something that may be a little bit more fun for you, whatever that is, like Bliss does in Whip It. Find something that gets you excited again. Well, Whip It is such a great movie. It's so funny, and it's got a really great kind of spunky and kind of punk rockish kind of energy to it. And, you know, I, 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 I'd forgotten, by the way, I, uh, that Whip It is uh, directed by Drew Barrymore. And I think the... Um, yes, that's the, right. Right. And the, and the, the it's based on a, a novel, I think. And I think that novelist had, had also been a roller derby girl and sort of based this novel on her experiences. And it really does have this real feeling. It's, it's just... And it's such it's so funny because roller derby is such an outmoded sport, but it still feels kind of rough and rugged and and funny and tongue in cheek. It's just got this great combination of qualities that really makes it come alive on the screen. It's um it's a great movie. I, I, I always love that movie. Oh yay. And your movie's fantastic too, Rafer. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, so from from us, just to recap, Kristen recommends Whip It, and I recommend Personal Best. All right, we're going to take another quick break. But before we do, reminder, we love hearing from you. We love hearing your predicaments. We love answering your questions. Write to us at raferandkristen at gmail.com. You do not have to use your real name. Yeah, the juicier, the better. <laughs> uh, you can also use the contact form on our website, raferandkristen.com, or reach out to us on Twitter at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Stay with us. We are back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter. Rafer, I'm going to let you read this one. All right, I'll read this letter. It is from Ray. Ray says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I loved The Last Dance and need more sports films or shows in my life. 
Importantly, I am not a sports fan. I don't even like basketball and would not consider myself a Chicago Bulls fan, but I immensely enjoyed this blended sports-slash-biographical documentary series and crave more like it. I particularly loved the exploration of each player's personal history and the examination of the relationships between the team's owner, manager, coach, and players. What should I watch next? Ah, great question, Ray. And uh, Rafer, I'm just going to speak for both of us here and say, we are not sports fans. Rafer and I are not jocks. We're not sports fans. But when a movie is done very, very well about sports, Rafer and I love it. True. We are all over well-done sports documentaries. And um, and, and it's nice to get a letter from somebody who uh, is kind of like us in that way. I totally agree. I, I, I will also have to uh, confess, I guess, uh, I just started watching The Last Dance, and it does seem uh, really good. I'm only just a, barely into it. You know, I just, I admit to you, I started around nine, and by about 9.15, my wife and I are both unconscious. So I had did not make it that far through, <laughs> just just to be clear. But uh, it did seem it did seem really good and really interesting. We were both very interested in it until, of course, we passed out. But yes, um, <laughs> you're right, Kristen. Neither of us uh, know much about sports. I barely know what sports are. Uh, but Kristen, what's uh, what's your recommendation? All right. My initial instinct here was to recommend Cheer, which is a six-part Netflix documentary that was hugely popular earlier this year. It's about this uh, community college team of competitive cheerleaders in Corsicana, Texas. It is so good. It is so compelling. The backstories of all the athletes are just, they're so tear-jerking. But uh, as of this taping today, One of the athletes in this documentary series has been accused of some very terrible things. And so I'm not going to recommend Cheer, even though I loved it. I loved it so much. You all can look up what that situation is if you want to. You can watch Cheer if you want to. But instead of Cheer, I am going to recommend Murderball. And Murderball is about athletes who are physically disabled. They play wheelchair rugby. And the movie centers on the rivalry between the Canadian and U.S. teams leading up to the 2004 Paralympic Games. Uh, Representing Team USA, for the most part in this movie, is Mark Zupan. He is so charismatic. He's so good. He's probably the number one uh, wheelchair rugby player in the world, definitely in the U.S. at this time. And his rival is named Joe Soros. Joe is someone who used to be an All-American, but he gets dropped by Team USA. And as an act of revenge, he decides to take on the coaching of the Canadian team. Um, On top of this rivalry, there are also parents, children, girlfriends, coaches, and all sorts of dramas behind the scenes. Here's a clip. When I was 16, I was in a car accident. I was out on the back porch, and he was trying to pick a fight with me, and he picked me up and threw me off the deck, and it snapped my spinal cord. My buddy spun out, threw me into a canal, and I spent 13 and a half hours holding onto a branch until somebody found me. It used to be called Murder Ball, but you can't really market Murder Ball to corporate sponsors. We have a reputation of always winning gold. This is ours for the taking, boys. They're going to be talking all kinds of trash. Yeah! Yeah, baby! Yeah! Yeah, Anytime, big boy. We wanted them! We got them! 
Kristen, I'm just going to fall on my sword. I have never <gasps> seen it. What? Oh my gosh, Rafer, yes, you would I know, love I know. this movie. You would love this movie. I know. It, people raved about it. Oh my gosh, it is so good, Rafer. As somebody who has sons, I think you would love it. Ah. As somebody who has a father, I think you would love it. Okay. I think it's one of the most touching father-son movies I have ever seen because you see some fascinating father-son relationships in this movie. Um, not to give it all away, but I will say that one of the main characters in this documentary, he's, you know, these are jocks we're dealing with. These are Olympic athletes, Paralympic yep. athletes. And, you know, sometimes jocks want their kids to be jocks. And one of these athlete sons just wants to play the viola. And <laughs> so you see that. Oh. And, and then you have, you know, other dads who just want to support their kids no matter what. You get to see a lot of great relationships and complicated relationships, not just on the court, but actually behind the scenes, too. So, Rafer, please check it out. I think you would love it. I and totally also, will. please, Ray, Ray, watch this. Um, all right, Rafer, what about you? What are you going to recommend? Um. Uh- this is a challenge for me, again, being being as sports challenged as I am. But I'm recommending <laughs> a doc from around the same time as Murderball, a couple of years later, from 2008. It's a movie called Harvard Beats Yale 29 to 29. And this is a documentary by a filmmaker named Kevin Rafferty. And it's about a college football game in 1968 between the two big Ivy League powerhouses. They've got this rivalry. I did not know this. They have a rivalry that goes back like more than 100 years back to like 1875 or something. Uh, and this game found them both equally matched for the season. They both had 6-0 records for the first time since 1909. And now at the tail end of 1968, pretty much the tail end of the 1960s overall, the Harvard Crimson and the Yale Bulldogs are going to come together on the field. Here's a clip. You know, one thing you probably wouldn't ask me that I'm not sure is very relevant, but uh, up until that year when I was married, for the previous three years at Yale, I was George Bush's roommate. So, uh, you know, my and my politics are not 100% aligned with him, his, but he's a very good friend. The Yale football team uh, almost got our president, George Bush, arrested. Actually, I think he was arrested in Princeton because he was part of the festivities that was tearing down goalposts, and I believe the, the police retained him and, and some other Yale students. You roomed with uh, Al Gore in Dunster House? Yeah. What kind of a roommate was Al Gore? Funny. We had a lot of fun. We probably had too much fun. Now, Rafer, I think it's interesting of all the athletic documentaries in the whole world, you chose something that's focusing on the Ivy League. <laughs> um, but I will say this. Uh, not everybody knows this. The Ivy League is just a sports league. Ivy means four. And, you know, there's the Big Ten. There's the Ivy. There's like, I mean, that's really what the Ivy League is, a sports league. And, um, or what's that called? A sports... Uh, you're, you've, you've already drank, you've already gotten beyond my expertise. You're, you're, I'm, I already don't know what you're talking about. It's it's like the oh, it's a conference, like the Western Conference, the Big Ten Conference, the Ivy Conference. That's oh, what yes. it is. Yes, I've heard that's the term. What it is. <laughs> yes, and that right. is all I know about sports now. Under you, Rayford. <laughs> Listen, you use the word conference. I use the word football. This has been a big stretch for both of us. Um, so I will say I'll say two things about this film, and here's here's kind of why I recommend it. One is um, I really don't like football. Of of all the sports, I hate to watch, which is all sports. <laughs> football is probably at the top of the list, um, and you know also it's pretty difficult 
to get me to give a rat's ass about a football game between two elite universities, especially when Harvard is considered <laughs> the underdog. And so I went into this movie thinking, thinking like there's literally no subject on earth I could care less about. And I was frankly a little predisposed to hate the movie and to hate everybody <laughs> in it. Um, you know, who cares about your 1968 game between, you know, Harvard <laughs> and Yale? Um, but the movie was so fun and it's so skillfully done in this very simple way. Uh, Rafferty, the filmmaker who went to Harvard, uh, has all the footage of, of this game and just very simply, you know, cuts to uh, interviews with people recalling it now. Um, you don't necessarily root for one side or the other. At least I didn't. Um, but what you wind up rooting for are just the people. Um, and a, a couple of them have become famous. Um, a guy named Brian Dowling, who was the Yale team captain. He's the guy that Gary Trudeau would turn into BD in Doonesbury, the comic strip. The character who always has the football helmet on everywhere oh, he goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. He's always walking around, you know, play football much. He's BD. Uh, and, they, and the other guy uh, that you'll recognize who played for Harbor is Tommy Lee Jones, the actor. Oh, wow. Um, so they're in it. Um, I know, right? Who who knew? But mostly, aside from, you know, a couple famous faces and, you know, and the context of, you know, what it was like to be at these two universities with all these celebrated people that would go on to become these movers and shakers in the world. And it was 1968, this very tumultuous year. Mostly what you see are just these kids on the field who are just playing their freaking hearts out. And it's just marvelous to watch. And when they talk about it as older guys, you can really tell that that day that they spent on the field is just totally with them. Like it's in the present right up to this very moment. And and when the whole movie was done, a movie that, again, I really expected to hate, I found it kind of moving. And I found it uh, like as good as any sports drama I've ever seen. And I was really really surprised at how how much it won me over um and i would recommend it to anybody sports fan or not sports fan wow. um it was really really compelling very emotional and just a lot of fun to watch wow yeah rich privileged white people playing football all right got it i know <laughs> <laughs> i know Kristen. <laughs> color me surprised what can i tell you all right so once again ray Rafer's recommendation is Harvard beats Yale 29 to 29, and my recommendation is Murderball. Well, Kristen, I think we did a good job here, but I hate to say it, I think that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Yes, it is time to say goodbye, but you can still talk to us and you can still talk to each other on our Facebook community. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. Everybody is very, very kind there and everybody loves movies. Totally. I completely agree. Also, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and tell your friends about our show. It really helps us a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, y'all. Bye.